What you're about to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. Last night I walked off uh, stage 19, finishing the Wednesday night special, and my producer said, are you paying attention? Have you heard what's going on at Daily Wire? And I got the briefing that Matt Walsh, he, his email has been hacked into, and they have 20 years of his email. Uh, just so you know, 20 years ago, I think he was 16. You got anything you said at 16 that maybe you wouldn't want published on the front page? Yeah, yeah. So they just took all that. Uh, then at the same time that was going on, uh, Michael Knowles was at UPIT, I think, and police found an incendiary device they bur- that blew up. Uh, the crowds were you know, basically chanting death to Michael. They burned him in effigy, and he had to be rushed out. Just another day, if you happen to believe in something that this administration or the popular culture doesn't believe in. So sick and tired of it. Uh, We want to talk to Michael Knowles. He's going to join us. Tell us what's going on in 60 seconds. First, let me tell you about a young woman named Bianca. When she found out she was expecting her fourth child, all of a sudden there was a lot of pressure from her friends and her family to terminate the pregnancy. Thank God she found a pre-born clinic. The ultrasound they provided and the love and compassion that came along with it gave her the strength to keep on going. And to celebrate her decision, the pre-born clinic threw her a baby shower and continues providing help and support even after she gave birth. Because it's not just about saving the baby, it's also about saving the mom as well. Enriching that family life and holding it together. They provide free ultrasounds, and they continue to help for up to two years after the baby is born. I'd like to ask you to contribute to them. 28 bucks is what an ultrasound costs. It uh, changes the mind about 80% of the time of the mom who's going in for an abortion. She sees the baby, hears the heartbeat. About 80% of the time, she changes her mind. This is so worthwhile. Best 28 bucks you'll ever spend. If you would like to make a donation, just hit pound 250, say the keyword baby, pound 250, keyword baby, or you can visit preborn.com slash Beck. That's preborn.com slash Beck. My good friend, Michael Knowles. How are you, Michael? I'm doing well. I'm doing better than that effigy of me. Yeah. (laughs) Pleased to report. I am not on fire, totally alive. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to uh, reach out to you and and everybody at the Daily Wire, let you know that our prayers are with you guys. We've been there, done that. We know what it's like. Uh, And anything we can do to help you on any front, Michael, let me know. Well, thank you, Glenn. I really appreciate it because we're trying to take it in stride. This is just par for the course. But uh, the, the attacks are increasing. Especially oh. what they did to Matt. I mean, getting getting this guy's entire <laughs> private correspondence going back 20 years. And why? Why, Glenn? It's all because of this one issue. It's because we have had the temerity to say that boys can't really be girls and we shouldn't be pumping little kids full of hormones and cutting off their body parts. And because of this, 
the, the threats have gone absolutely through the roof. And I think it just exposes how ridiculous one of the classic lines from the left is, which is what the left always says is, why do you care? Why do you care so much if we pretend that men can really be women? Why do we care? Well, I don't think we're the ones who seem so fanatical about this and so obsessed. You're the ones hacking into people's cell phones. You're the ones throwing off incendiary devices. Call it what it is. It's an explosive at a, at a public debate over transgenderism, burning people in effigy. I don't think that we're the ones that started this fight. We're just trying to speak common sense and reason. And, and if you guys are so afraid of common sense and reason, that tells me this is exactly the fight that we've got to be in. So... Uh, Michael, you're you're in Nashville, <clears throat> which I told you you guys should have come to Dallas. But you're <laughs> you're in Nashville, where you had a shooter, and now you can't get the uh, uh, the manifesto from the Nashville police. Now, I mean, Glenn Greenwald tried to hire two firms. He finally got one. Two firms. They said they would represent him to get that released. And uh, they called back like an hour later and they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that. And it was all because of political pressure. Right. In defense of the Nashville police, I strongly suspect that they're not the ones that are holding this up. I, I strongly oh. suspect that the middle, the minute that federal government got involved, I think probably the political pressure is coming all the way down from the White House. Well, it's it's time for good men to stand up and good women. Um, the the attacks that are coming on your on you guys as I walked out of the studio last night, I just, I just thought somebody's going to get killed. Somebody's going to die. Um, and it's, I mean, we're entering a time of assassinations and we have, thank God, not had any of the stuff that was happening in the sixties, but that happened because of zealots. And we are seeing people that are so bat crap crazy that I'm afraid they're going to kill somebody. And this is exactly what the media has been saying is going to happen from the right. And we're damn close to it uh, here from the left. And the media are encouraging it. We should be very clear about that. This is why the media lied about what I said at CPAC when I said that for the, for the good of society and especially for the good of the people who identify as transgender, we've got to eradicate this ideology because the ideology is false and it's really harming people. And if, if, if the media thought that what I said was so objectionable, they would have just printed what I said. Correct. But they know that pretty much everybody agrees with that. And so they lied and they said that I called to eradicate people. And I, I can't think of any explanations to why they would lie other than to to call for violence against us. And they've gotten what they've wanted. I mean, you're seeing these things increase. I always try to take this in stride and with a grain of salt. I think people mouth off on the Internet all the time and they think they're a lot tougher than they really are. But but now we're seeing the fruits of this kind of a threat. And specifically on this issue, uh, we're, we're seeing people who are not in control of their reason. We're, t- we're mm-hmm. talking about people who are not the most rational. And so we might think, oh, people will come to their senses. They're mouthing off a little bit, but it's no big deal. Not on this issue. No, as, there's no sense. Anyone there's... who's dealt with it can, can see. Yeah, there's, there's no uh, senses to come to uh, yeah. on this particular issue. And, and the media, but also the administration, by 
having a group of children killed and then the vice president come to Nashville and sit with the family of the killer and not the children is is pretty remarkable. So if I am somebody who is in the transgender extremist movement and I feel like, you know, I can do anything, you know, including kill people. That just sent the message to me that I'm right. I'm right. This, this was a message we just saw today. It came out from the Biden administration that days after the Nashville shooting, where all of the evidence seems to suggest that the transgender ideology played a role here. Obviously, it was a transgender identified shooter targeting and killing Christian kids. Days after that shooting, the Biden administration through the EEOC sent out a message saying that increasingly trans people are at risk. They just will not give up the line. No evidence, no events can can dissuade them. And so the, the message is clear from the White House. The message is clear that we are behind this absurd ideology and you can do anything you want to defend it. Michael, what, what where do you think this goes from here? I was just reading an old monologue from Rush Limbaugh today. And he said, uh, "It's a, it, we're at the point of a national split. We just we don't have anything in common anymore. There are no root principles that we can be in common. And this, you know, this is before he died. Where are we? What's coming? When I was a student, I got to meet Justice Scalia. And we, we asked him about certain basic issues in the country. At, at the time, I think we were talking about marriage. And we said, can there be a federalist solution here on this issue? And the states just pick however they want to pick. And he said, while I love federalism and I love states' rights, there are certain issues that seem so fundamental that we, we need to come to an agreement nationally. <laughs> Slavery would be an issue. Right. Uh, marriage, the fundamental building block of politics, would be one of those issues. And I think even more fundamental than that, of course, would be what a man is and what a woman is. If a nation cannot agree on that, then a nation cannot agree on anything on at all. Anything. We're seeing this play out right now in Colorado. Colorado has become a sanctuary state for transing the kids. And uh, I, I don't think this will remain a state issue. You, you've, if we cannot communicate with one another, if, if our speech is no longer intelligible, then we cannot have a self-governing republic, the premise of which is that we can talk about issues, perceive the truth, and determine how we all want to live together. That is breaking down and accelerating before our eyes. I, I thought of two phrases um, yesterday from the founders. Franklin, a republic, ma'am, if you can keep it. And the other, I think, was uh, John Adams. Uh, this system is wholly unfit for an irreligious uh, and uh, um, what did he say? Immoral. People. Immoral people. I mean, yep. I, I thought of both of those yesterday. I thought, boy, that they're right. I mean, we have these freedoms, but if we don't have some governor on ourselves, this is what happens. You have riots in the streets and in, in uh, Chicago and nobody says anything. These are teenagers. If they don't learn now, they've got, you know, if they're lucky, another five years before they're shot, uh, you know, or the rest of their life to go. What what are they going to be like when they're 40 if they make it? 
I'm so glad you brought up the John Adams quote, because a lot of people misunderstand it. I think a lot of people think that that John Adams quote is just a nice platitude about how you should go to church and no. we should all be nice to each other. What, what John Adams is saying here is, is he's simply describing a fact about the republic. He's, he's just observing that if a people does not have a shared understanding of, the, of what's good and bad and right and wrong and true and false, if we do not make a conscious effort to pursue the good and to avoid evil, this is a basic, basic requirement of statecraft, mm-hmm. then the republic will break down. And that's just a fact. You can rely on it like any other scientific fact. And now, unfortunately, we, we appear to, to be proving that right through our own experiment. I sense with some, I hope, uh, I hope this is correct, and I hope you're sensing it too. I am sensing a, a deeper understanding from the right on uh, how fast this can fall apart on us, how close we are, um, and how meek and humble and peaceful we need to be. I, I, I've been afraid of the right striking out, but I'm, I'm only afraid of the lone person like the trans shooter. Um, I'm only afraid of that one crazy out there. I think that we're starting to understand uh, the right is that we're dealing with evil. The, our, our enemies are not our neighbors. It's evil. And it's, it's almost like the entire nation is possessed. It is. I don't know how you can describe it, especially when we're talking about an ideology that tells you to hate your body and sterilize yourself. I right. mean, and hate your neighbor. And hate your neighbor and hate your country and, and be destructive and burn things down. You're, you're so right, though, Glenn, on people waking up and, and seeing how quickly this can happen. I'm, I'm reminded of that Ernest Hemingway quote from The Sun Also Rises when he's asked how he went bankrupt. And he says, gradually, then suddenly. Yes. Uh, things can slowly decline for a while, but then once you cross a certain threshold, once we no longer know what a man is or a woman is, once we no longer know what our country is, Things can d- decay very quickly. It's happened many times before in history. We are not magically immune to that. If we don't make a conscious, concerted effort to preserve our society, our community, we're going to lose it. I said it years ago. I said, this is all going to build up, and then it's going to just come like a thief in the night. And you'll have so many friends that will say, when did this happen? Right now. Right now is when it's happening. You weren't paying attention, but it, it's been happening for years, and uh, you chose not to look at it. So don't come surprised. You just chose not to look at it. And I think that's the choice a lot of Americans are making, but I'm glad. I think there are more Americans that are saying, wait, I, I should probably pay attention to what's going on here uh, and are getting more and more involved. Michael, thank you. And, and also, I want to thank you as a um, as n- a non-Catholic, but thank you as a Catholic for standing up for your faith, um, being a great representation of your faith. I have heard you recently call for peace and, uh, you know, all of the teachings of Jesus. And I just can't thank you enough, Michael. I'm proud to call you a friend. 
So th- thank you, Glenn. I, I appreciate that, and uh, the feeling is mutual. And let's just let's just pray as uh, that's largely what we can do uh, right now. Let's pray that there is uh, a happy solution to what is now an, an urgent and increasingly dire problem. Thank you very much. God bless to everybody. American Financing, NMLS 182334, org. Getting yourself and your family out of debt has always been important, but I think you'll agree, a little more critical now than ever. Whatever is coming down the pike at us, it is racing pretty fast, and you don't want to be saddled with a bunch of debt when it gets here. Uh, especially if it is credit card debt, you got to get out of the variable interest rate business. Um, credit cards, that rate is going to go through the roof, uh, and then they're going to tighten credit. They already are starting to cre- uh, tighten credit. They're saying that there is a a credit crunch that people are going to start to feel soon. Get out of those high-interest credit cards and make it something more manageable. If you're at 21%, imagine the difference at 5%, and you can pay them off. American Financing, a family-owned mortgage company, they're saving people just like you an average of $700 a month. See if this is right for you. American Financing, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, or AmericanFinancing.net. 10 seconds, station ID. So, uh, you know, we're going to do our, our Friday, Good News Friday. And I think our next guest, we should move to tomorrow because it's such great news. I got, I, I got two or three pieces of great news just yesterday. And I mean great news. Um, and I can't wait to share it with you. There's one thing that is, I mean, we all stood around when we were talking about it. And we were mind blown. We were like, wait, wait, and what else? Wait, and this too? It's uh, some really good news. That'll be on Good News Friday tomorrow. Mm, Stu joins me for that, which he's always, he's like Eeyore. I am. <laughs> that's, that's an so interesting that exactly summary. <laughs> Isn't that exactly what Eeyore would say? I am. I am. Uh, by the way, Michael's book, uh, Speechless, which came out, I don't know, a year or so ago, is, is quite good. Uh, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting read. And a lot He's of a really it, smart guy. Very smart. And the his focus a lot in the book is about language and how important it is and how a lot of times we, we seed ground in that world without realizing it's not solely in the world of language. You've, you've said this for years and years. You control the language, control the argument. Yeah. And we often... You know, just kind of accept these liberal, progressive changes in language and sort of adopt them. Often, mockingly, we mm-hmm. kind of just go along with it and we laugh at it for a while. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. it's just there. It's there. I mean, you, you, I mean, you read about- these stories like from the New York Times over the past couple of days talking about gender affirming care. And you, you'd, you'd think as if no one in history had ever disagreed with this concept that right. you could just switch genders at the, at the snap of a right. fingers. And it's... It, you know, they, they started with the slow boil of, no, there's a difference between uh, gender and sex. They're, what? I've never, wait, what? Gender? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, and uh, gender is fluid. No, 
No, no, it's not. No, no. And it's, so it's, you know, when you're making the case uh, to people about this, I'm not against transgenderism. I'm not against transgender people. I am for the truth. Right. That's what I'm for. I, I, you know, if this were all true, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I would say, okay, well, all those things are true. I don't agree with the behavior or whatever, but we could agree that it was at least true. Now, is it helpful and healthy to embrace it? That's another discussion. This is, no, it's true, and you will admit that it's true. I'm fighting for the truth. I'm not fighting against anybody. I am fighting for the verifiable scientific truth. If you lose that, you got nothing left. More in a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. Warren Buffett said last last week, we are not through with bank failures. And the Fed is also saying we're likely to see a recession this year. You know, usually uh, Warren Buffett's not the guy that I say, you think so, uh, too. But uh, Warren, you think so? Welcome to the party. Uh, every day you see the dollar being devalued further and further. The centralization is taking place right now. Don't listen to these people on TV and these uh, talking heads and politicians. Read the words of the Fed. Read the the words of the presidential uh, dictates. Read what uh, the Central Bank of France just said this week. What do you have to protect yourself from any kind of currency change or default or anything? You've got it all in dollars. You're going to be sorry for that. Please consider spreading it out with Goldline at goldline.com, 866-GOLDLINE. Every single one-tenth ounce of gold coin or bar acquired this week, you're going to get a free silver bar at no additional cost. Goldline.com. And it's blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Save 10 bucks off Blaze TV. Still, I'm having a having a hard time figuring this one out. On Wednesday, yesterday, Washington Times reported that starting May 1st, oh wow, that's right around the corner, Americans purchasing a new home or refinancing their existed mortgage, existing mortgage can expect to pay higher mortgage rates and monthly fees if they have a higher credit score. <laughs> Wait. What? That's a so, fundamental reversal of all economic theory. You okay. want to make the people who have the better credit scores pay the higher rates? Yeah, no. Mm. They're going to have you pay a higher rate and higher monthly fees because you have a higher credit score. Americans with lower credit scores and smaller <laughs> down payments are going to be given better rates. So basically, up is down and down is up. 
or stealing from the rich to give to the poor. Sure. Redistribution of wealth. Let me ask you this. Look, I haven't put too much thought into this, but let's throw out a, a possible issue mm-hmm. that could be associated with this. What would your incentive be to maintain a high credit score if what it was going to do was to punish you with higher rates? Why would you pay mm-hmm. your bills on time mm-hmm. if the incentives reversed from where they are now? Are you either white or are you a, a gay, hermaphrodite, black, trans lizard? What's my incentive of remaining white? <laughs> if I can just change, perhaps I should go to that second mm-hmm. choice, which was too long for me to remember okay. all the details of. So, uh, I, you know, I, it's weird because this is what I'm trying to figure out. Wasn't there something like this that happened 2004, 5, 6, and 7 where they mm. were... Okay. They were incentivizing <laughs> they were incentivizing banks mm-hmm. to give loans to people who couldn't really afford the houses. Yeah, although at least in that case they they weren't punishing the people who were paying their bills, <laughs> yeah. right? Like oh, yeah, they yeah, were yeah. just handing out mortgages to people no. who did not qualify for them Look, and that caused the economic crisis. If you don't understand the concept that socialism and all of this stuff is just it's not going to make anybody happy we're all going to be equally miserable okay you won't own anything this is how it begins you're taking away through now a different kind of tax how do how do they even pass this how does biden even get this done it's crazy and when you say Pass this. Yeah, not pass. What does that mean? Yeah, pass nothing, it. Nothing. Pass it would, yeah. would signify there was a vote by elected representatives yeah, to, to make this you. occur. That's not what happened, of course, because no. that's not how we do things these days. Right. So I'm sorry that I misled you on thinking that it was some constitutional <laughs> way of, of getting this Understandable done. Understandable misstatement there. Yeah. Okay. So we have that story. Then I have... An IRS supervisor has told lawmakers that he has information that suggests the but this is from the Wall Street Journal suggests the Biden administration is improperly handling the criminal investigation into President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, and is seeking whistleblower protections. The letter sent to Congress on Tuesday says a career Internal Revenue Service criminal supervisory special agent has information that would contradict sworn testimony by senior political appointees. The supervisor also has information about a failure to mitigate clear conflicts of interest in the ultimate disposition of the case. The supervisor has details that show preferential treatment. No. Wait, I, did I read that wrong? The IRS... This whistleblower says is showing preferential treatment to Biden's son. Hmm. Huh. No. Preferential treatment and politics improperly infecting decisions and protocols that would normally be followed by career law enforcement professionals in similar circumstances if the subject were not politically connected. The letter says the supervisor has been overseeing an ongoing and sensitive investigation of a high-profile, controversial subject since early 2020. 
He doesn't name that person. But the investigation as at issue is Hunter Biden. So we're now going to see another whistleblower. And thank God, if this guy's telling the truth, thank God that there are some people that are blowing the whistle on this. I mean, you just can't have, uh, you know, two, two uh, justice systems. Can't do it. By the way, do you hear the ATF director yesterday? Do we have this cut by any chance? The ATF director uh, was, uh, no, we don't. ATF director was asked if he could define uh, an assault weapon. <laughs> okay. Just do I want to, can We can't you, even get a woman at right at this point. They're not going to be able to do an assault weapon. Right. Uh, can you can you just uh, tell us what uh, uh, what a, a assault weapon uh, is? Can you do that? You know, keep it short, fifteen seconds. Uh, he said, uh, hmm, uh, "Well, I'll tell you, um, I can go shorter than fifteen seconds because uh, you know, if Congress wishes to take me up on that." I think uh, Congress will have to do the work, uh, but there would, uh, you know, we would be there to provide technical assistance. Can you tell me what the hell you're even talking about? He <laughs> He's says, over 15 seconds already. Yeah, he says, well, I, unlike you, am not a firearms expert to the same extent as you may be. Wow, hold it just a second. So the head of the ATF can't define it not enough of an expert maybe he's more of an a and t guy you know maybe yeah, he doesn't get to the f all that often yeah. you know maybe yeah. he's been focusing maybe he's been drinking a lot maybe he's maybe an he's alcoholic hammered. right yeah maybe. and he, they're like that's how get he the, the alcoholic to get the get the gig here he is uh as a gun owner uh of many different types and a 20-year military veteran i have some expertise in weaponry uh and self-defense weapons what could you, in 15 seconds, would you define an assault weapon for me? So, so if you go after 15 seconds, I'll just interrupt you. Yeah, so, so, so I'll go shorter than that because I, I honestly, I do think that's a, if Congress wishes to take that up, I think Congress would have to do the work. But we would be there to provide technical assistance. I, unlike you, I'm not a firearms expert to the same extent as you may be, but we have people at ATF who can talk about uh, uh, velocity of firearms, what damage different kinds of firearms cause, so that whatever determination you, you chose to make would be an informed one. Oh, okay. Hmm. So there is no real definition. It's, it's, it goes beyond black gun bad. Okay. All right. But we can make it up. Kind of like, can you define a woman? Well, no, I mean, I'm not an expert on that. I'm not an expert on that. You know, I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I couldn't describe you know what a woman is in any way shape or form it really kind of depends on you know how we define that oh okay no it doesn't no it doesn't no assault weapon they they were not no they're modern sporting rifles and when i say modern when's the last time you heard anyone use the word modern right nobody's like oh it's very modern you know why it's called the modern sporting rifle? Because it was out <laughs> in the 1950s. It's okay. uh, amazing. Yeah. It's, I can't remember which paper it was. It was the Washington Post or the New York Times. Or one of the one of the big mainstream publications did this like thing about like we're going to show you ads 
for the AR-15. We're going to show, let's go back and look at how they've advertised this product. And like the idea was to show you, of course, that like they are advertising it as a killing machine. You know, it was one of these type of things. And they had a What the hell is a gun if not a killing machine? (laughs) You know, I'm kind of buying that. If I, if I go in and I buy a gun for my own protection or I'm going deer hunting and it doesn't kill the object I need to stop. I think then I could actually sue the firearm maker. Right. It does not mean you're going out to try to kill people. The point of it is, of course, if you need to because someone's attacking you, it will work in that fashion, right? Correct. So they go through this uh, long series of ads going back to, you know, the very uh, early days of in 1950s. You said 1960s. It was 1950s. Um, they have uh, all the way back to 1957 was the first prototype. Mm-hmm. Um, but they go back to the first ad they show. And what have you heard about the AR-15 all this time? It's a weapon of war, right? Mm-hmm. It's a weapon of war, weapon of war. And we keep right. saying, no, that's not how it was developed at all. The first ad they cite, a superb hunting partner, Colt's new AR-15 Sporter. It is exactly what we've been saying this entire time. They're trying to prove that over time, the AR-15 ads went from a, a hunting situation into, oh, the brutal murder people. Uh, but like, <laughs> again, like they don't even prove that, of course. Obviously, right. there's a hundred ways to go on the story. But like, they've been telling us forever this was developed as a weapon of war in their own publication. They're showing the ads saying it is designed for hunting. They've been saying, you don't need an AR-15 to hunt. They just showed us the initial ad in 1960 freaking four about a modern sporting rifle. A superb hunting partner. If you're a hunter, a camper, or a collector. They go on and on. If you're ready for a new hunting adventure. This is them. This isn't us saying what, this. Wait this a is minute, what they're wait saying. Wait a minute. What are you hunting? Maybe you're hunting, hunting your neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate hunt with an AR-15. <laughs> now back to Leave it to Beaver. Mm. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Michael. He lives in Arizona. He wrote in about his experiences with a Relief Factor. He said, uh, I've never had experience with a product. That has made such a huge difference in my life and the way I feel. I had daily headaches due to stiffness from hard work and and just getting older. But you have completely made those disappear with Relief Factor. I feel 20 years younger. Relief Factor has absolutely changed my well-being, and I recommend it to anybody who has aches and pains. Thank you so much. Michael, I'm glad that you wrote in, and I'm glad you tried Relief Factor. I beg you, just try it. If you're in pain and you've given up on everything else, just try it, please. It's a, it's an, in, um, I keep thinking inflation, uh, ibuprofen, inflammation, thank you. Uh, infl- <laughs> you can tell where my mind is. It's an inflammation uh, reducer, and that's the cause of a lot of our pain and a lot of our disease as well. It's good to get it under control, and this really uh, helps, unlike, for me at least, ibuprofen. Uh, Try Relief Factor, relieffactor.com, 1-800-4-RELIEF. Get the 1995 three-week quick start. 
relieffactor.com. 800, the number four, relief. Relief Factor. Feel the difference. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, it was, it was good to see that uh, Fetterman was uh, back at work. Um, you know, it's, it's been a while, been a while. Uh, but, uh, you know, he immediately went to work as the chairman of a committee. Don't even care what committee it is. A chairman of a committee, a guy who we all know they announced he can process things, but he can't handle chaos, crosstalk. It all that's the guy with the gavel. Order, order, order. That he has it now. And again, what he I would say he's been at work for 3 months, but of course he didn't show up to almost all of those days. Well, he was depressed. Right. So, okay. Maybe day 1 doesn't come back into uh into committee to run a, the farm bill, which is by no, the way, the last the best person to run the farm bill. We are going to have a tractor in every pot and a chicken in every garage. <laughs> that is what we will wind up with if he yeah. does this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The I good mean, thing though. Look, if we could just get him to be assisted by Feinstein. Oh, yeah. I that's mean, a, it's a dynamic duo. What's the difference between him and Feinstein? Come on. I, come on. I don't. Come on, it's not, a no-brainer. <laughs> oh my <laughs> uh, we do have audio of him coming back this is big uh his big return okay do we want to hear some of this yeah here okay, it. it's pretty good there's a gavel i called to this hearing of the u.s senate subcommittee and mm. food and nutrition this especially crops organics and research to order chairwoman stevenow And ranking member Boozman, thank you so much for coming. He's not looking, looking up at all, by the way. No, thank you for your leadership on this committee, and mm-hmm. I look forward to Every working word. with you to pass a farm bill. Farm bill. Mm-hmm. Farm bill. A farm bill that works for small far- farmers, mm-hmm. rural communities, and hungry Americans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would also like to thank my ranking member, Senator Braun. Mm-hmm. I look forward to... Working good, closely with you. Good delivery of that line. SNAP Can you is imagine? one of the most effective <laughs> programs to fight hunger and Stop. poverty. And Can you imagine awful, awful people actually having knowledge? I'm not saying anyone in the room has mm-hmm. this, but knowledge of farming and what needs to be done. And you've worked your ass off for, you know, oh. 20 years. And this guy comes in and you're sitting at the table with him going and farm stuff for corn <laughs> you'd be like what the hell what the hell right and even take out the fact that the man had a stroke and obviously is incapable of communicating with human beings he, what is he known for he was a small town mayor no no those work out well and he's known for wearing hoodies and sh- gym shorts what the hell does this guy know about farming Are you kidding me <laughs> look what a small town mayor can do in let's say transportation yeah, I guess I guess maybe you're right on that one. At least Pete Buttigieg actually had to fix potholes. Do you remember when we used to look up to people and go, "Wow, 
that person is accomplished. Yeah. Now we look into like always. How did they get that job? And to get to that job that you're talking about is overseeing a bill that will exceed one trillion dollars. Oh my. The Glenn Beck program. 